Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right, good to have you here tonight. If you open up your Bibles to John chapter 6, we're going to be in two different passages of Scripture tonight. I decided that I was going to... Or I shouldn't say I decided. God directed me to preach something else tonight. I was in a series that I've been teaching on Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot. And the Lord had something else that he wanted me to preach tonight. So I'm going to be faithful to him and do that. Um, hopefully I'll be able to help somebody. I'm actually going to do more teaching than preaching and hopefully be an encouragement for those that are here this evening and those that are online. And turn to John chapter 6, and if you would turn to Mark, Mark chapter 6 as well. John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 6 as well. This is a familiar passage of Scripture to you. This is about the, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. In John chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 13. If you found that this evening, please say amen. amen. Follow along with me as I read. After these things, Jesus was over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which have five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there, were, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, above 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I want us to look at this very special day in the life of Jesus where two important things took place that the disciples were witness to. First, I want you to see that Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And then second, Jesus walked on the water. See, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that the Lord recorded in all four Gospels. This is really unusual when you think of all the miracles that Jesus performed and all the miracles that he did in three and a half years of ministry. The miracles recorded in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and John chapter 6. 
Each of these gospel writers has something to say about this miracle and the feeding that perhaps the others might have omitted in telling of the story. When, when they are all put together, an interesting story begins to unfold before us. I want us to consider the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 as being more than just a demonstration of the power of God by Jesus. It's more than the Lord Jesus looking upon a group of people and who had followed him all day, listened to his teachings, and were now tired and hungry, and he was going to feed them miraculously. There's much more to be discovered. See, before looking at John's version of the feeding of the 5,000, we need to first read Mark's story of what happened afterwards when Jesus walked on the water in the midst of the storm. So if you follow with me along there in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse number 45, and we'll start reading there. In Mark 6, verse 45, and it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before Bethsaida, while he sent the people away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking up upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. See, this is a story of what followed the miracle of the loaves. The disciples had entered into a boat to cross over to the city of Pisidia, and Jesus was going to meet them there. When out in the lake, a storm arose, and they threatened to capsize their boat and endanger their lives. And then fear and anxiety gripped the disciples' hearts, and they began to panic in the throes of the strong wind and the waves. Now notice in verse 52 that Mark tells us that something that happened that afternoon uh, should have helped them that night on the sea. In verse 52 it reads, they consider not the miracle of the loaves. I strongly suggest to you that in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus was teaching them something that would help them in the midst of life storms. See, when Jesus performed this miracle, it was not for show. It was not for performing to impress the disciples. It was teaching them. They were, begin, they were going to be given a lesson in God's school of higher learning. Now, keep your finger in Mark 6 and turn back to John chapter 6 and the gospel. And let's discover some of the lessons that Jesus was teaching his disciples. If they were important for the early disciples to understand, then it's also important for you and I to grab a hold of. I mean, if we can learn those lessons, then when our boat encounters a storm and when our, ourselves are in the water and it's over our head and we begin to panic and fall apart, we can use this passage of scripture to help us during that time. Now, lesson one is given to us in verses one through seven. See, the disciples had returned from a successful ministry trip and Jesus had sent them on and they had shared with, this, with Jesus all the things that they had done and, and what they had taught and they were exhausted and they needed rest. So Jesus suggested to them all to depart by the ship to a private place to rest. Now look at verse one, this is where it begins. And these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. Jesus departed with the disciples across the Sea of Galilee and to this area near the village of Bethsaida. His intentions was to escape. 
He was going to get away for a brief period of time, and he was going to get away from the multitude, but to no avail, they simply just followed him. Look at verse number two. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And this verse... John points out to us that many followed after Jesus simply because of the miracles. It wasn't that they were interested in following him or obeying the teachings of Jesus. A a number followed them because of what he could do and what they could get. They oohed and they awed at his miracles, but their hearts remained unchanged. See, that is still true today. Um, As a preacher, I've come across folks many times in church services. They come in and they're here and they want to see what they can get, but their hearts never change. I mean, we have times where we can hear the preaching of the Word of God and and the Bible is teaching us things and the man of God is standing up here and he's showing us through Scripture and how we can change something in our lives. And sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. But look with me, if you would, in verse number five. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Notice that even though some followed after Jesus for the wrong motive, Jesus still loved them. See, Mark said that Jesus was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus' heart still beat toward them. See, the multitude had followed out to the desert place. They had traveled a great distance. They were very tired, very hot. It was, they were very hungry, and they were out on the side of the mountain. And Luke states a fact that John left out of his narrative at this point. In Luke 9, verse 12, the disciples had come to Jesus saying, Lord, we don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, we've done, we don't have anything, and we're not sure what we're going to do. We've got a real problem here. It's getting late, and, and the people are hungry, and some are even growing faint. So we better dismiss them. So we can get rid of this meeting and they can go home and they can go eat. And at this point, we see in John 6, 5, that Jesus looks at the weary multitude and then he turns to Philip and says to him, Philip, what are we going to do? Now, this is interesting. Where are we going to get enough food to feed all of these people? Now, Philip, he was a logical person to ask because Philip was one from the, was the person from this area who knew where to go and where to buy food. And in verse 6 it says, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus had asked Philip this question to test Philip, to see what his answer would be. See, Jesus already knew what he, he himself was going to do about the problem, but Jesus had asked Philip, what are we are going to do? And Philip takes out his little calculator, at least he would have in this day, and he begins to work it all out mathematically. He, he begins to add up everything, and he begins to figure out the figures, and the whole years of wages, and we still wouldn't have enough to buy bread to feed this group. And that was true. But let me stop at this point and give you the first lesson that Jesus was going to teach the disciples. So if you're taking notes this evening, you can write this down. Never assess a difficulty in the light of your own resources. Never assess a difficulty in the light of your own resources. Simply put, this means never look at a problem and then try to work it out, depending entirely upon your own resources. Someone in the logistics section of the army once asked, how much food would it take to feed Israel each day? And after their travels from Egypt to Canaan, and logistically he was moving, it's like moving something from one place to the other. And as they were working it out, the answer was that it would take 12 million pounds of food daily to feed the children of Israel. That's an unbelievable amount of food. 
for Israel to have to come up to each day. But the source of Israel's food was not themselves, but God. So Philip, like so many of us, tried to solve the insurmountable problem in the light of their own resources. Philip, up to this time, had left Jesus totally out of the picture. But we do the same thing so many times. We get into a situation, and it's interesting how when we're not in a situation and somebody else is in a difficult situation, we got all the answers for them. Oh, man, just pray about it. I mean, have you asked God about it? I mean, have you even... Um, talk to them about it. And then when the situation comes to us, we start agonizing. it. Man, how am I going to meet this need? Where am I going to get the finances for this? I can't believe this happened. You know, we, we plan and we try to do all these different things, but then we agonize over it, we sweat over it, and we try to figure it out on our own. We want to be the super saint and say, oh, we can do all this. Well, why should I pester God about this? I'm just going to exercise my faith for it. I'll just confess that I have it and I will. Listen to me very carefully. Read my lips on this. What I'm about to say, faith is not a synonym for wishing. So we like to wish a lot of times, oh God, he's going to take care of this. But where is our faith in this situation? You know, we, we wish real hard, sweat a little as we do, and then in response, we think Tinkerbell's going to sprinkle some dust and things are going to happen. That simply is not faith. Faith is a response to the Word of God. See, Jesus wanted a faith response from Philip. Lord, this problem is too big for us, but not for you. It made me think of that. You heard about that drowning man? You know, a fellow who was stuck on the rooftop in the flood, and he was praying to God for help. And he was praying. He said, God, help me off of this rooftop. And here comes a guy along in a rowboat. And the guy said, listen, I can help you. Jump in. He goes, no, no, thanks. It's okay. I'm praying to God. He'll take care of me. And then a motorboat comes by. The water's getting higher. He goes, hey, man, come on, jump in. I can get you out of here. Listen, I've been praying to God. No, thanks. God will take care of me. And then the water's getting up, it's getting really high, and a helicopter flies by, drops the ladder, and says, oh, climb up this ladder, I can get you out of here. He goes, no thanks, it's okay. I've been praying about it, God's going to take care of me. And then before long, the water rises up, and he drowns, and he goes to heaven, he finally meets God, and he says, God, can I ask you what happened? I was praying and you, and for you to save me, and you let me die. He says, man, I brought a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter your way. What more do you expect? And how often do we do the same thing? You know, we, we pray to God and we ask God for help. And a lot of times, is it our faith or is it our pride that gets in the way? You know, a lot of times we're in a situation and we're afraid to tell somebody about it or, you know, we're afraid to share it with our problems with others to pray about it. And for some reason, we think that somebody's supposed to know about it because you prayed to God and that we're going and God's going to reveal it to us. A lot of times it's just us being humble in our own selves and sharing this thing with God and with others that are like minded that will pray for us to help us through the situation. 
Let me add this. It's not enough to say, well, I'm doing the best I can. The truth is you're not doing the best you can until you bring God in on the situation. See, Philip is the classic example in the New Testament of someone facing a difficulty problem who looks at it discouragingly, but does not bring God in on it. And then King Saul in Israel in 1 Samuel 17 is the Old Testament picture of the same type of failure. See, they had a problem with Goliath and the Philistines that seemed to be insurmountable. And then David comes along and he surveyed the same situation, but he brought God into the picture and he went forth to claim the victory. So lesson number one was Jesus teaching the disciples that when you face a problem, do not face it in your own strength and your own resources. Include God in the situation and it will change the circumstances. Lesson number two begins in verses 8 to 11. Look at it with me, if you will. In verses 8 to 11, here another disciple is brought into focus. He is Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. At first, Andrew seems to speak with the voice of faith. What he says at first is good. In verse 9, there's a lad here who have five barley loaves and two fishes. Now, he should have stopped there, but he added these words. But what are they among so many? And with those words, he blew it. Consider again Andrew's first words and look at the little lad. Lord, all we have are five loaves and two fishes that some little kid has started to bring along. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe he had those loaves and those fishes because he had a mother that was concerned. He had a mother that cared about him, packed him a lunch. And when I talk about these five barley loaves, I'm talking about five tasty bread loaves. They're just little small barley biscuits. And then two like sardine fishes. His lunch was small in quantity, but God will use it to perform a miracle. I want us to notice at this point two important things that take place when the lad surrenders his lunch to Jesus. First, what he has is transferred to Jesus. And secondly, what he has is transformed by Jesus. See, this is a good example of the principle of dedication that is given to us in Scripture. See, it may be small in quantity, it may be even small in quality, but if you transfer it to Jesus, it will be transferred by him. See, I take a moment here and I ask you, have you done this yet? Have you said to Jesus, Lord, all that I have and all that I will have, I give it all to you? When you do this, a wonderful thing happens. We find that we no longer are concerned about the loss of material things that once was so important to us because they are no longer ours but his. See, we have transferred our ownership to him. Here's some good advice I give. We can have a little and it will remain little as long as we keep it. But if we have little and give it to God, God multiplies it. Remember the widow in Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17? She surrendered her little crock of meal and oil to God through Elijah and God multiplied it. Lesson number two is solid biblical fact and it's simply this. Little is much if God is in it. Little is much if God is in it. Notice what happened when Jesus was given the loaves and the fishes. Look at verse number 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. See, Mark states that Jesus had all sit down by companies of hundreds and fifties. Matthew tells us there were 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus committed himself to do something when he had the people sit in front of him. Possibly up to about 15,000 people were waiting and watching to see what Jesus was going to do. And look at verse number 11, if you would. And Jesus takes the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he, distri he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. 
I read that verse and then I had to read it a second time. And Jesus takes the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples. It made me think those of us that work um, in the secular world and we're having lunch with our coworkers, do we pray in front of our coworkers? Or do we simply just partake? And then I thought about this, maybe those young people that go to school might go to a public school, can't even go to a Christian school, even take the time to bless your food before you partake of it. Because I found it interesting when I read verse 11 that Jesus himself had blessed the food before he distributed it. He gave thanks to it. So Jesus takes his bread and he blesses it and he breaks it into 12 pieces. And then he breaks the fish into 12 pieces and distributes it to the 12 disciples. And I can picture Peter's hand completely hiding the part given to him. One swallow and it'll be gone and the fish were even smaller. I mean, we know how Peter is. It suddenly all seemed so ridiculous and it was even more so when Jesus sort of shrugs and turns around saying to him, go and feed them. Now, I don't, think the 12 disciples were really ready for that one. I mean, there wasn't hardly enough in their hands to even feed themselves. So even though it all seemed so ridiculous, they figured they might as well get this over with quickly. So could you imagine being given that in your hands and you begin to pass it out? And I could imagine Peter starting to break it out a little bit. And he was going down the first row and he'd give a little bit and he'd give a little bit more. And as he got down the first row and he got to the second row, he noticed that he still had more in his hands. So he started to give a little bit more, bigger pieces. And then he, he noticed at the end of the second row, he still had more. Then he got to the third and it just kept going and it kept going. And by the time he was done, he came back to the first row and began to refeed them all over again. Because if you notice what the scripture says here, it says that he fed them until they were full. <laughs> Even though it all seems so ridiculous, could you imagine? Nevertheless, as thy word, I will let down. Think of Peter and the net and the fish. Remember, he was out fishing and he cast the net on the side and he caught no fish. And then Jesus came along and told him to cast the net down. And Peter could have said, but I've been doing this all night and I didn't catch anything. But he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And the catch was so great that the nets broke. But I doubt Peter really remembered that from Luke chapter five. At this point, let us imagine they were among those disciples and they were passing out that food. And as they passed it out and they got to the end, let me state this first and second lesson again. The first and second lesson again says this. Never assess the difficulty in the light of your situation. And number two, little is much when God is in it. Look with me if you would. In John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 13 if you would. And write this down. Lesson number 3. Only Jesus 
can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. Look back with me at verse number 12. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Notice the words, when they were filled. See, Jesus Christ had totally met the need of every person there. He fed them. He filled them. They couldn't hold on anymore. They were satisfied with the miracle bread. Have you ever noticed that when you have eaten a big meal, you're so full? And he's like, I can't have another bite. And you're like, I'm hungry. And now I'm full. And then you say, I can't eat for a week. But then if you're a teenager, after about an hour, you're hungry all over again. I mean, can you imagine that? We need to remember that Jesus only increased the amount of bread and fishes, not the contents. They, there was still only bread and fish. Jesus never meant for them to be more than that. They were used to fill and satisfy the hunger of the people. Just for a day, just like they did in the wilderness, the manna was there for a day. See, that people became hungry again, and the next day they looked for Jesus. They came up for another buffet lunch, but Jesus was not to be found. He had gone to Capernaum. Look at verse number 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. They had toiled, they worked hard to find Jesus, but so they could not get but one more meal. And in verse 25, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Rabbi, when comest thou hither? In verse 26 and 27, Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him that God the Father still. Jesus was telling these people, you come to me for fishes and loaves, but that's not what you really need. It's not your natural physical needs that are the most important in your life. It's your spiritual needs. And the needs cannot be met with just bread and meat of this world. As I satisfy your natural hunger, so can I satisfy your spiritual hunger. In John chapter 6, verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Look at lesson four is this. Every difficulty is allowed or given by God to enrich and enlarge us. God uses every difficulty that comes into our life for our benefit. See, God uses them to develop us. Let's go back to Mark 6 one more time. Jesus has just given the 12 disciples an object lesson about his power, his ability and care in the feeding of the 5,000. Now, he was going to give them a test on the lesson He had just taught them. You see, that's the principle of teaching. First you teach, then you test. And the process is repeated over until the lesson is really learned. So Jesus is saying by his actions, I've taught you the lesson. I fed the 5,000. You've seen what I can do. Now get in the boat. Now get in the boat. It's test time. See, Jesus had performed the miracle of the loaves to show them his power and his ability and, and meeting their needs. Now he's going to see if they really believe it and his power to meet his needs. Now I ask you, did Jesus know the storm was going to come up? Sure he did. I mean, did he know that the winds were going to blow? Sure. Who controls the wind? God does. See, God even gave them something to jog their memory during the test time. Remember there were 12 baskets of fragments left over? 
There were 12 disciples. Each would have had a basket when told to get into the boat. Each had a reminder of the power of God. See, so get this picture fixing your mind. Here's a boat with 12 men in it. He, each has a basket of miracle food between their feet. And in the midst of the storm, they're crying out, oh, what are we going to do? Verse 24, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took ship and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. They had toiled, they worked hard to find Jesus just so they could get one more meal. And this is the very important thing that I want you to see when God allows a difficulty to come into our life. It's never to harm us, but it's intended to help us. See, the chief goal of the difficulty is to bless and enrich and to develop us. How often have I found this to be true? See, God creates or allows a need to come into our life so we'll be forced to turn to him and say, Lord, I really need your help. See, if God were not allowed to need to come into our lives, we would become so independent, so self-sufficient that we never feel the need to turn to him or rely on his power to help us. See, for God to bless us, he wants us and he must send needs into our lives. But remember this, when God works a need into our lives, he also works a solution into our lives as well. I want to draw your attention to lesson number five that is given to us in Mark, number, Mark 6. Jesus comes to those disciples who, have, who had not learned the lessons of the lows, and he's walking on the water. Can you imagine, right in the beginning of this, before they became before they started feeding the 5,000, they were already out. They were already out witnessing to people. They were already out performing miracles. And they get to Jesus. They're tired. They're worn out. You ever been in that situation where you, you worked all day and you, you just, things have just been going wrong all day and you've been working and you're tired and you finally get home. You want to put your feet up to rest. And somebody comes along and says, hey, we have another problem. And now you're like, man, can I just sit down for like five minutes? And your mind just starts to go and you can't, you can't think straight you're, and you, you can't just get control of your thoughts for a moment and you've been working so hard. And now these disciples, that's where they were. They've been working so hard. They've been out performing for Jesus. They were out serving the Lord and witnessing the people and sharing the gospel with people, seeing people getting saved. And then the Lord says, all right, it's time to eat. And he says, let's go to the other side. Let's rest for a moment. And then here comes 5,000 more people plus. And then the Lord says, wait a minute, we're not done yet. And then you're trying to get away and they follow you. And then the Lord begins to minister to these people and the disciples are there and then the Lord says hey so what do we need to do that's my reaction would be send them home I'm ready to go I, I don't I'm not I, I really don't feel like doing this right now can we do this tomorrow you know what tomorrow is not promised to us I mean we got neighbors that we that live beside us that need Jesus Christ as their personal savior and we come home tired and you know what's happened you've already prayed to the Lord and you said Lord help me you know give me the opportunity to witness to my neighbor and it's that moment when you're tired and I'm like Lord really this is the time you want me can, can I just get them tomorrow I've waited this long 
one more day is not going to be any, it's not going to do anything. And then you get that, oh, well, I better do it. And it's amazing how God works. And so right after that, this happens. And then he's now teaching them. Look, they've been teaching all day. And now God says, oh, it's time for me to teach them a lesson. And he begins to pour into these people. And then he asks Philip what we're going to do. And then he gets the, the, the lad with the fishes. And then they begin to feed them. And now he says, okay, the disciples think we're done. He says, all right, get into the boat. Don't forget to take your, the 12 fragments that are left over, which is enough for the disciples. Remember, it's enough for everybody. And he tells them to get in the boat. And now they get in the boat and they think it's over. And then the storm comes up. No. What am I going to do? Didn't they just see what he just did a few moments ago? And now they start crying out. And he starts walking on the water. And they're panicking because they still haven't learned the lesson yet. And he starts to yell, boys! Boys! What's over your head is under my feet. See, that's lesson number five. You don't learn that until you realize he's the center of your life. You won't learn that lesson and it'll keep coming back and back and back until you get it. And you won't get it until you give God control of everything in your life. You know, we have a habit of saying, okay, Lord, I'll give you this. And you can have that. But then when it comes to our children, but Lord, I don't know. I don't think, I, I, I don't believe that, Lord. Lord, do I really want them to go that far? Do, do, do I really want them to be in full-time ministry? I mean, a, a Christian school teacher? I don't know, you know? It really doesn't pay. Out in the mission field? Man, that's a long way from home. Um, what? You, what? You, you, you want them to do what, Lord? But, but you said that you gave them to me. I did. But I gave them to you for them to stay right here. And then we, we, in our own selfish way, have our own dreams for our kids and for our lives. And we were like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And then I'm looking, if they're doing this and they're doing that, then 20 years from now, we're all the preachers. We're all the Sunday school teachers. We're all the missionaries. Because we as adults haven't surrendered fully over to the Lord. And we're still learning that lesson that what's over our heads is under his feet. And when we can grasp that 
and we understand who God is, then we learn all the lessons that God was trying to teach us tonight. And let me give you this one more time. Never assess a difficulty in the light of your own resources. Little is much if God is in it. Jesus alone can truly satisfy and every difficulty that is loud or sent by God is to enrich and to enlarge us. And what is over our heads is under his feet. It made me think of this years ago in our bus ministry. There was two of our men that were out on the buses picking up children for Sunday school. And when they, when they got into one of their stops, as usual, is, is done, one of our men had gotten off the bus to knock on the door for the children to come out. Well, one of the men noticed that one of the little boys that were coming out, he looked very sad. He had no life in him. And he said by his demeanor, he knew something was wrong. So, so he had to crouch down behind the seat. And when the boy had approached the bus and made his way up the stairs, he says he reached out and he grabbed that boy and he placed the boy on his knee and he tucked him in and he cradled him like a baby. He said he expected the boy to struggle and fight his way out, but he said he just slumped in his arm and put his head back and closed his eyes. And then the bus drove off. He said as they were driving, the boy opened up his eyes and he looked at, at the other man and he said, you should try this sometime. It's very comfortable. His answer to the question was, don't you think I'm a little too big for that? I didn't say I was going to give up my spot. Aren't you glad God has a spot for you and I? Let me ask you tonight, is that your answer to everything? Are you too big? Do you have all the answers? You remember that song? He's got the whole world in his hands. Is, is God trying to get a hold of you? Are you struggling in his arms this evening? Are you just like Philip? God already knew what he would do. And everything, see Jesus. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would use it in the hearts of those that are here tonight and maybe those that listen online. I may, Father, Lord, that this would be an encouragement to someone, Father, and that they would see you afresh and anew today. We love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.